Welcome to Restoration Road Online. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon at Restoration Road. We hope it blessed you and invite you to join us for next service at 10 a.m. on Sunday. God bless. This is a recap. We've been going through the full armor of God. We started off with uh, a sermon series just making us, or in the first sermon of the sermon series, was just making us aware that there is a real spiritual battle going on. That there are real evil forces that are against us. They are against God. They are against his followers. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be in that fight, knowing that God is stronger than any of those forces, having faith in Jesus that he has overcome the evil one. He has overcome he who is in the world, the Bible tells us. So we started there, but then our next sermon was on the belt of truth. And how with the belt of truth that we're to gird up our loins, we said, which is kind of a funny, funny term to think about. But that's what gets us ready for battle. So we start with started with the belt of truth so that we could come against the lies of the enemy. After that, what we just read was the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate, right? In armor, what does that do? It protects the heart. And so Pastor Joey preached on that, that it's not actually our own righteousness that we're putting on as protection, but the righteousness of Jesus, the Son of God who came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. It's His righteousness that we look to that covers us. We talked about how He took on all our sin, and in exchange we get all of His righteousness covering us. And because of that, we are protected from Satan. We also had uh, Pastor Brandon from Tennessee who stepped in for a week and talked about taking up the shield of faith so that we can block out the fiery darts of the enemy, the darts of doubt that the enemy likes to throw at us. Because if we're doubting our salvation, if we're doubting God, well then it takes us right out of the fight. But if we have the shield of faith, trusting that God loves us, trusting in the gospel of Jesus then we can stop that doubt as it tries to creep in to our lives. And today we come to shoes. We need good shoes, right? Good shoes are always an important part of whatever you are doing. You need the right shoes on. And the, if the goal, especially it says the goal of all this is what? That we're able to stand against the enemy. We have to be able to stand against Satan's attacks against us in our lives. And if we're going to stand, we got to have good shoes. You ever tried to stand in bad shoes? It's not fun, right? We know good shoes are important. I know because I see everybody walk in here. We got a lot of people who love their shoes in this church, right? We love them. They're awesome. I love new shoes. You guys love new shoes. We take our shoes seriously. Now, how important are our shoes when we have a specific job to do? I was thinking back to, uh, you know, I always loved Nikes, but when you're a growing boy and you put on, you know, you need a new pair of shoes every three months, you're not getting Nikes too often or ever because that's $60 right out the window every three months or more now. But I remember being uh, in seventh grade and baseball season was coming up. And one day, my mother uh, picked us up. It was like late February, early March. Season hadn't started yet. 
But I got in, in the van. She was giving my uh, friend a ride home as well. And when I get in the van, there is that distinctive orange Nike box in there. I was like, oh, what are these? And I open up, and in there is a brand new set of baseball cleats, Nike baseball cleats in my size. And this was the first year we got to use the metal spikes. It was going into the 13-year-old year. So you're out of Little League technically at that point. You're in the Junior League, and you can wear metal spikes. That's what these were. They were the high-top metal spike Nike baseball cleats. I was so excited to have those. We, as soon as we got home, I'm like staring at him. My friend was trying to talk to me. I'm like, whatever, man. I got my new Nike cleats here. And as soon as I got home, I put on my Nike cleats because I was ready. When I had those shoes on, I was ready for the season right then and right there. I had the right shoes on. I was ready for baseball to start, even though baseball weather in Colorado doesn't hit till like June. I was ready for the baseball season then. I was ready for those games then and there because I had the right shoes. And it's the same for us when it comes to spiritual warfare. It would be the same for any soldier, right? As we read about the armor of God there, Paul, who was a Roman citizen, would have had a Roman army soldier in mind. Uh, Roman soldier's shoes are actually incredibly similar to, to our modern cleats. They were straps of leather that laced up over the top so you could adjust them so that you could avoid chafing. On the bottom, they had a bunch of hobnails, uh, which are basically just metal cleats that they would nail into the bottom of them. And they needed those. The Roman army needed those desperately. Their formations depended on having good footing. And so these things, are, they had ankle support. They, they could uh, grip the ground well. They were what the Roman army needed for their battles. And in fact, the, there was even uh, like um, specifications that if you were going to make shoes for the Roman army, you had to meet these specifications. Why? Because it was so important to what they were doing. It's important that if you're going to go into battle, you have the right footwear on. And so it's the same for us as we go into not a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. It is important for us to have the right footwear on so that we can stand firm and push back against the enemy as he attacks us. And so what does it tell us is the proper shoes, the shoes we need for this battle? It said the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Found it interesting that readiness for battle comes from the gospel of peace. Those two things seem to be perhaps a little bit in conflict with each other until you realize that the gospel of peace isn't talking about peace between ourselves and Satan, but rather between ourselves and God. Because there is a point where we have all been God's enemy. I don't think we like to look at it that way, right? We like to look at ourselves as good people who God loves because we're good people and we do the right things. You know, we're not bad people. Sure, we make mistakes, but overall, we're good people. But you won't find that in the scriptures. You see, our, our definition of what good is is far too low. Whereas if we look in the Bible, God's definition of what is good is sinlessness, perfection. And so our definition of, of what good is and God's definition of good are two totally different things. 
And what is sin? Sin is simply going against what God has said. And we have all done that. And so we have all gone against what God has said. We have all been his enemy. But the good news of the gospel of peace is that it doesn't have to stay that way. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is that even while we were God's enemies, even then, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, to pay for those sins. Because what, what are the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. We deserved that death. We deserved God's wrath. And instead, Jesus came down and he took God's wrath. And what do we get in return? We get peace with God because Jesus took God's wrath for us. That's the gospel of peace. That's what we need to have and need to know, or we're not going to even get into this battle. We're taken out before it's even begun. We have to have peace with God first, and that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. That is where all of this has to start. So Jesus came in order to bring peace between us and God. And it's from that peace that we're going to have the strength to stand, the shoes that we need to stand in order to fight this battle. Now, that readiness equates to shoes, I don't think would be a surprise to any parent, right? You ask your kids as you're getting ready to go somewhere, hey, are you ready to go? And what's usually the next question? Do you have shoes on? And the answer is often no, right? You said you were ready, but you didn't have your shoes on. Because <clears throat> you can have everything else on, but if you got, the, you know, your shoes aren't on, you're not ready to go. And if you have the wrong shoes on as well, you're not ready to go. We have this battle with one of our daughters all the time. She's not up here, so I don't feel too bad about saying this. We can be getting ready to go for a hike, and she is in, like, wedge sandals. And then cries that she can't wear those wedge sandals. Like, honey, these are not the right shoes. If you wear these shoes, you're going to be in trouble. Over, in, uh, over Christmas break, my senior year of college, a bunch of us decided that we were going to go hiking up to a place called Hanging Lake. Hanging Lake is at the top of Glenwood Canyon, just outside of Glenwood Springs. And in the summer, it's rated as a moderate hike. And that's about right. It's a moderate hike in the summer when the path is clear and you get up to the top. Uh, a beautiful view up there. There's really just this natural lake at the top of this canyon. It's an unbelievable view to get up to. But when you're going in early January over Christmas break, it is not a moderate hike. There is snow and ice everywhere, and it's treacherous. There's points like there's handrails on a couple of the parts, but if you're to slip and not grab that handrail, you're, it's going to be a bad deal. Now, of the five of us going, four were from Colorado, and one was from Texas. Probably know where this is going already. <clears throat> Now, we'd been planning this for a couple months, and we said, bring your hiking boots to this hike. Bring it. So we all show up that morning. I've got my, my hunting boots on. I look around, the, you know, hiking boots, hiking boots, hiking boots, and we get to Texas. And Texas's idea of hiking boots are worn-out running shoes. This is going to be a long day. 
And it was. It was a terrible day. The whole way up, poor Texas is not making it up the mountain very quickly. What should have taken us, you know, a couple hours took like four or five. We'd started in the morning. We're hoping to be down for lunch. Didn't, didn't really go that way. But coming down was even worse. It, there'd been like a fresh coat of snow that morning, and it covered over a lot of ice. And, and Texas fell about every time that I, we, we came upon that ice. At one point, we, we were carrying her down. At another point, she's like, I, I'm tired of getting carried. And if we came upon a spot that looked like it was going to be icy, she'd just sit down and... Why? Because you can't stand in those conditions when all you have is worn-out running shoes on. We have to have the right shoes on to do any task. But especially the task of spiritual warfare we're going over, if we have the wrong shoes on, it's going to be a disaster. And what are the wrong shoes? I'll tell you that the wrong shoes are simply this. They're anything that we're preparing for this battle with other than the gospel of peace. Anything else, anything else motivating us going in is the wrong shoes. The right shoes have to come out of readiness from knowing the gospel of peace. So then what does it mean for us to have on the right shoes? What does it mean for us to have on the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace? I want to give you three points on this. First, it means that to believe that the gospel is true. It means that we believe that it is true that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for the payment of our sins, and that he rose again, conquering death, conquering sin. We have to start there, and we have to preach it to ourselves every day. That's step one. The second step is that we view everything in life through the lens of the gospel. In other words, we view everything with this gospel tint over that. And I'll go over that more in a moment. And third, it means that we share the gospel. That's what it looks like to have readiness from the gospel of peace. So how do we ensure we have this readiness? Let's start with step one. We need to spend time each day preaching the gospel to ourselves. Milton Vincent wrote a book called The Gospel Primer for Christians, and he writes this. He says, preaching the gospel to myself each day nourishes within me a holy brazenness to believe what God says, to enjoy what he offers, and to do what he commands. What's he saying there? He's saying, as I preach the gospel to myself, it makes me ready to follow God. It makes me ready for that spiritual battle. And if you aren't preaching the gospel to yourself each morning, then you're starting off things with what? You're starting off your mind thinking about what? You're thinking about, oh, I've got this meeting today. Oh, I've got that bill to pay today. Oh, I've got... Um, this many errands to run and I've got to do all these things and that's what fills your mind and you run off into the day essentially barefoot going into the battle because you're not thinking about the gospel you're thinking about all these other things that's what fills your mind and you're not ready for when the enemy attacks you're just waiting to be tripped up at that point because you're not aware of the battle that really is going on around us we're not starting with the gospel we have to start there each and every day. 
Because it's so easy for the gospel to go into the back of our mind. We kind of view it as this one-time thing, like, I believe the gospel, I'm saved, and then we just sort of leave it there. And we don't necessarily think about each day that the gospel is still true for us. Each day, the mistakes we made yesterday, the sins we made yesterday, they're forgiven because of the gospel. God loved us that much. That's the kind of motivation we need. God loved us so much, he gave us his son, Jesus. And all of a sudden, as we start to preach that to ourselves every day, we can be motivated to stand firm, to be ready for the attacks of the enemy. Secondly, we need to ensure that we are viewing all of life through the lens of the gospel. We need to see how the gospel applies to every area of our life. And even if you think it doesn't, let me assure you right now, it does. The gospel has something to say about every aspect of your life. It has a lot to say about how we deal with other people, our interactions with other people. See, because other people are also sinners. We're all sinners. And if we're all sinners, then we're all going to sin against each other. That's going to happen in this life. We will sin against even the person we love the most, we are going to sin against. And they're going to sin against us. But if we view that through the gospel, and we look at the gospel and say, you know what, I was a sinner, and God forgave me. And because of that, I can forgive this person as they sin against me. And that changes and that changes our view of things. That helps us defend against the attacks of the enemy. Because even though it's said in here that, and it's true, that our fight is not with flesh and blood, it's with spiritual forces. Spiritual forces use people. They use conflict between people to get in and to drag us down. If you don't think Satan does that, then you're missing one of his key schemes. He wants to get in when people sin against each other. He wants to get in there and cause them to what? Fight amongst themselves. How many churches have been split and broken up because somebody did something to someone else and there could never be any forgiveness between the two of them and all of a sudden that church breaks off or people leave that church and now what, what happens? Satan is winning in that area because he's splitting people up. He's isolating them where they can be more easily attacked. Our enemy looks for things like that. But if we're ready because of the gospel to forgive when we are sinned against, then instead of having division, we'll still have unity. There won't be divisiveness between us. And so that will thwart the enemy's scheme. It will allow us to stand firm and strong, even when he tries to attack us in that way. We don't view our finances through the lens of the gospel, then we're going to have the wrong shoes on. We have to view our finances through the lens of the gospel. We have to look at our money and say, you know what? It doesn't actually matter what I have there. Because the gospel tells us that God has provided for our deepest need. God provided for our need of salvation, our need of forgiveness. And because he has provided for us there, He'll provide for us in every area of life. But if we don't view our finances through the lens of the gospel, well, then we're going to have trouble standing when the enemy attacks us in that area. Now, how does he do that? Well, we start to look at others around us, and we start to envy what they have, 
and we want what they have. And all of a sudden, our mind is fixed on getting that, right? Our mind isn't fixed on the gospel. It's not fixed on the things of God. It's fixed on money and getting more of it and buying more possessions. And so the, the enemy will say, hey, look at this. Don't you want this? This is what you really want. This is what you need. And it gets us off, tack, off track. It's an attack that knocks us down. But if we view that through the gospel, we say, it, sure, it'd be nice to have that, but I don't need that. I don't have to have that because God has provided for me everything I need. Then it takes away that attack from the enemy. It allows us to stand against that attack. It could also be the other way, though. The enemy might attack you by letting you have a lot of money. And all of a sudden now you have a lot of money and you're like, all right, I've got a bunch of money. I can do this. I can do that. And your, your focus is now on all the things that money can buy you. And it distracts you from church and it distracts you from living a Christian life and it distracts you from sacrifice because you have the ability to get whatever it is you want. But again, if you view even riches through the lens of the gospel, you can go, these riches are good, but they don't own me. They don't master me. They don't distract me from the call of God on my life. And instead, you can use them to be generous, use them to love others, use it to advance the kingdom of God here on earth through supporting missionaries and uh, other churches, church plants like down in East Bridgewater that we talked about. Like That changes your view, and suddenly you view those riches not as a distraction, but as something God has blessed you with to bless others. Because your greatest treasure is the gospel. And when you view it that way, it takes away the punch behind that attack of the enemy. It allows us to stand against his attack. Finally, the last part of having this readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is to share the gospel. So we preach the God, we believe the gospel, we preach the gospel to ourselves, we view all of life through the lens of the gospel, but then we need to turn and share that gospel. See, the gospel was never meant to just stay with you. It was never meant to just bring peace to you so you could selfishly hoard it and be like, ah, oh, I've got peace, I'm good, everybody else, oh well. That was never the point of the gospel. Jesus came so that many people would be saved. Not one or two, not just you. It's for everybody. It's for those who are close around you. It's for those who are far away from you. The gospel is meant to be preached. The gospel is meant to be spread. It was meant to be proclaimed throughout this whole world. The idea of, of being of readiness to preach the gospel uh, is just seen throughout Scripture, but one place I really want to turn to is 1 Peter 3, and you don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you what it says. But 1 Peter 3 tells us that we are to always be prepared to share the reason for the hope we have inside us. So always be prepared to share it. What is the hope we have inside us? The gospel. The hope we have inside us is that Jesus died for us and that because of that our sins are forgiven. And that gives us hope no matter what, because that means that at the end of this life, where are we? We are with God in heaven for eternity. That gives us hope no matter what is going on in this life. And that's what the gospel 
is meant for us and it's meant for everybody. It's meant to be spread out, not kept in. And if we're unwilling to share that gospel, I'll tell you something right now, you are not putting on the readiness that comes from that gospel. You don't have the shoes on that you need for this spiritual warfare. A couple, uh, several months back, actually, we, we had a, an event here, uh, and we had a, a professor, his name was Chuck Lawless, speaking to a bunch of pastors from the area. Um, he, he's a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he said this, uh, you know, he said a lot of things that day, but one of the things that stuck out, stuck out to me was he said, among the many, uh, sorry, nope, that's my quote there, not his, his quote, he said, missed evangelistic opportunities are a warning sign that you are living more for yourself than you are for Jesus. He said, missed evangelistic opportunities are a warning sign that you are living more for yourself than you are for Jesus. In our context here, if we're missing evangelistic opportunities and we're living for ourselves, then we aren't putting on the readiness of the gospel. Those are not our shoes. We have some other shoes on. We have to be willing to share the gospel. The gospel is meant to be proclaimed throughout the entire earth. And I'm not going to lie to you, this last one is probably the hardest, I think. Because when we put the gospel out there, what's going to happen? There's a chance people are going to reject it and reject us in the process. And that's always what we tend to worry about, right? We worry about being rejected by people. But the Bible tells us that out of the abundance of our hearts, the earth, the earth speaks, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks. And if the abundance of our heart is not the gospel. In other words, if our heart is not filled with the gospel, then we aren't going to proclaim it. And it's a big warning sign to us that we aren't ready in the gospel. On the other hand, if we are doing these things where every day we are preaching to ourselves the gospel, and every day we are making sure we view life through the lens of the gospel, then our heart will be full of the gospel. And then we'll be ready to proclaim it. And if we're ready to pro proclaim the gospel, then we have the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And we will have on the right shoes to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon at Restoration Road. We hope it blessed you and invite you to join us for next service at 10 a.m. on Sunday. God bless.